You're listening to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ, taken from the weekly homilies of interim pastor Michael Lansman. Thank you for the reading. Good morning. All right. Great to see everybody here and everybody happy after a wonderful holiday season, hopefully. Well, welcome to the last service of 2017. You're not supposed to be. <laughs> Are you happy that a new year is coming? Are you happy because there's more services next year? <laughs> there's more coming. I mean, this isn't the end. Uh, this isn't the end. This is only the beginning. So I hope you all were able to rest a little bit from the holiday rush. Um, we all know that uh, Christmas isn't over yet, so keep your decorations up for just a little while longer. Yay, more presents, right, kids? Ask your parents. <laughs> and I, I'm going to get a lot of emails now. Why did you tell my kids Christmas wasn't over? Now they want more presents. So as we continue on through Christmas, we have some really cool readings here in the Gospels and in, in the Epistle and, and in the Old Testament reading as well. And in the Gospel reading, it picks up where Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to the temple to fulfill the requirements and the obligations of the Mosaic Law, the purification, uh, purification rites. So they're going to the temple. They are offering uh, doves because that's a sign that they actually didn't really have a lot of money because that was the offering that would be given if you didn't have a lot of money because traditionally you had to, to sacrifice livestock, but they couldn't afford that, so that's why it says they, they offered uh, the turtle doves there. So, but they're going to fulfill the requirements of, of, of what the law stipulated. So we see this, really, even though it's not state, like we see this picture, right, of, of, of Mary and Joseph being faithful to the covenant, being faithful to the covenants that God made with Israel. But our epistle reading, it kind of parses this arrival of Jesus in a little bit of, of, of a different way. And Jesus' relationship to the law of Moses and what he's actually come to do. So we're going to spend the bulk of our time t- in, today in, in the Galatians text, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, which I'll just reread briefly. It says this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Right, well, before, we, before we get any further... When it says that you are no longer a slave but a son, and when it says that we are all sons of God, it's not saying that God has no daughters. All right? the, the authors of Scripture are not intending to exclude anyone with that. It's, it's meant to be collective of men and women together as a whole. So it wouldn't be obviously incorrect to say sons and daughters. So Jesus has come and made us his sons and his daughters. He has made us God's children in a special way. So in the book of Galatians specifically, it's, it's about an identity crisis. Who are God's people, and how does one become a member of God's family? Galatians is not necessarily so much about how is one saved, by doing good works or by faith. Rather, it's how does one have to follow the, does one have to follow the Torah or follow the law to be a Christian? And Paul's answer to that is, in Galatians, is no, is no. That's kind of the overarching context of this, and this is what Christ is working through um, under the law 
as he's fulfilling the law through his incarnation, death, and resurrection. So in verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So we see here two conditions for the coming of Jesus. The fullness of time, and we see the law. So the fullness of time, when we look at this, it means was, well, we can ask ourselves a couple of questions. Is it the fullness of time in the sense it was the right time in the world? Were the right political people in power? Was the right city-state dominant? Were people's hearts more or less closed or open? Maybe. Um, also here, though, the meaning could be the fullness of God's time, not the fullness of human time. Not the fullness of human time. And we mentioned a few weeks ago um, in one of the sermons that we referenced that psalm where it says, with the Lord a thousand years are as a day, right? We, we, we talked a little, bit, a little bit about that, where a thousand years are as a day to God. So we see time works differently with God than it does for us. We see, because for us, time is something that we are kind of under, but God stands outside of time. So with him... It, okay, when I think, <laughs> indulge me for a second, okay? When I think about the relationship between God and time and humanity and time, I always think kind of of the Chronicles of Narnia. You ever read those? So when, when the, the Pevensey children, right, Lucy and Peter and Edmund and uh, Susan, when they go into the wardrobe, into Narnia, right, they stay there and they, they stay there in the first book and they grow up. And the book ends, spoiler, with them as adults going back into the wardrobe, and then when they come out of the wardrobe in their own world, they're children again. They're no longer, they're no longer adults. And then when they go back into Narnia in the next book, they find out that like kind of thousands of years have passed since they've been, even though for them it's just been kind of like a year. And so when I think of time and our relationship with time and God's relationship with time, I kind of see it in that way. With us, time is moving one way, but with God, who kind of stands outside of time, he has has a bigger picture than what we have in our own limited 80, 90, 100 years. So time works differently. And God is more patient, too, than we could ever be. And we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about how some people were saying because Jesus hadn't come back yet, that means God has forsaken his promises. And and I think it was one of the epistle readings, and I think it was St. Paul, and St. Paul says, no, God is, is, is patient. He is patient. So God is preparing his people. He's been preparing his people throughout the entire Old Testament with prophets and miracles and kings. And now the fullness of time has come. The time to send his son into the world as a human being has come. Born of woman under the law. So this places Jesus' background in the story of the children of Israel and the children of Israel's covenant with God. And as we saw in the gospel reading, we see his parents fulfilling themselves the requirements of the law. And that's found in Leviticus 12, 6. And when the days of her purifying are complete, whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. So she and Joseph are fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law. So this places Jesus' life within a specific context. God's time is at hand. This is the particular situation that Jesus is being born into. Then in verse 5, it says, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So we see Jesus' redemptive work initially is focused on a specific group, those under the law, the Jews, the children of Israel. 
And then it says, to redeem them. To redeem means to buy back. Jesus is buying back. He is purchasing his people, thus fulfilling God's promises that God had made to them. He's also freeing them from the obligation of following the Mosaic law. But then there's a movement here in this verse that's very subtle, and you might not notice it initially. It says to redeem those under the law, which we get, right? The Jews, we understand that. But then it says so that we might receive adoption as sons. Who's the we here in this verse? The Gentiles. Paul's writing to the Gentiles, in, 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 well, the Jews and Gentiles together, about Gentiles coming in to the kingdom of God. So we see there's a two-fold movement here that Jesus is coming to redeem. He's coming to redeem those under the law and those not under the law. Those who are outside of God's covenant with Israel. And so we have to remember the law, the Torah has been given to Israel, and salvation history is tied up with them, but God is always intended to make his salvation universal. Jews were already considered God's people, and Jesus is the fulfillment of the law for believing Jews. The Gentiles were not God's people, and so are included by adoption into the family of God. And this is an important point for Paul in Galatians. Then in verse 5, he says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So he's saying, we Gentiles, right, those who were initially outside of the covenant, those who had essentially no right to be in the covenant, God has extended it to them as well. God calls them in. He says, you are sons and you are daughters. And then God has done something else here. It says that he has sent the Spirit into our hearts. What should this make us think of? It should make us think of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first descended upon the apostles and those gathered in the upper room. And it says here that the Spirit has been sent into our heart, crying, Abba, Father. So notice who's speaking here. There's a, 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 New, a New Testament scholar named Dwight Longnecker. He says that the, the person who's speaking here, who's saying Abba Father, isn't, a, isn't the human being. It's the Holy Spirit within the heart of the human being. And this is the identification with Jesus' prayer in the Gospels when he called God Abba himself, which I believe was in the garden. Father, let this cup pass from me. I should probably mention this as a brief aside. It doesn't mean, though, that we can't call God Father, right? It, even though the person speaking in this text is the Holy Spirit, we ourselves can also call God Father because the text is saying that we've been adopted as his sons and daughters. And this word Abba, it doesn't mean daddy, but it is an informal term of endearment used by both children and adults, speaking specifically to the parents. So what's shocking about the use of the word Abba here isn't that it's the babbling of baby kids, which is some people have interpreted this text, but rather that we have intimacy with God. That we have intimacy with God. So just like Jesus, we then can also call God our Father. And then it says in verse 7, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So the Jews were slaves to the law, but they're also slaves to sin and death, even though the law helps them to navigate that. The Gentiles are also slaves to sin and death as well. 
slaves have no rights, like we said to the kids. Slaves have, servants have no rights. They have whatever rights their owners give them. And in the ancient world, some slaves actually had some autonomy, but then you also had slavery where it was essentially manual labor. And so slaves have whatever rights that the owner gives them. So what St. Paul says here is that you are not slaves. You are now sons. And if you are sons, then you are heirs. So in other words, Jesus has brought liberation to the slaves, which is all of us. Jesus has brought freedom to the slaves. We who were all once slaves ourselves are no longer slaves. We are sons and daughters through adoption. And it says that we are heirs. So then that should ask, make us think, what is the thing that we are heirs of? Well, we are the heirs, brothers and sisters, of the promises made to Abraham. All the way back in Genesis. Because remember, this isn't just, we're not, these stories that happen in the Bible, they're not piecemeal stories. All of these stories are related. They all tie in with one another because we're getting a picture of this is what God is doing. This is how God has been moving through these people, through this time. Liberation. So we are heirs of the promises to Abraham, and God says to Abraham, in you, the nations will be blessed. Not just you and your family. He says, in you, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. And this blessing that all nations will be a part of is new creation, is this eternal life. Those who come to God through Jesus, through faith, not by identifying with a specific ethnic group. God has opened the way of salvation, not just to one small group of people in a particular place and time, but it's always been his intention to offer salvation to all, because we are all slaves, brothers and sisters. Or, I should say, if we are in Christ, we were, we were slaves to sin and death. But we are now sons and daughters of God. And so this is the behind the scenes of the Christmas story, right? That we are all born of men and women. We are all under the slavery of sin. We have all been redeemed from being a slave to sins, and we have all been adopted. So then our task, as we listen to this and as we respond then, is we then are sent as God's adopted sons and daughters, right? So just as Jesus was sent to a specific place, to a specific time, to a specific people— All of us Christians throughout time, whatever time, whatever place, whatever space we find ourselves in, if we are Christ, just as Christ was sent into the world, we are sent into the world as well. We are sent into the world as well. Well, why are we sent into the world? Well, we are sent to bring the redeeming message of Jesus to those who are still slaves to sin. Because we exist, brothers and sisters, the church exists as outposts, right? We are essentially outposts in a land that is not ours. We are a liberated people who live among people who are slaves, who don't even know that they are slaves, that they are enslaved to sin and enslaved to death. And so we are sent, like Jesus was sent to a particular people, we are sent to our own particular peoples. I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and he was talking about language that young people hear about changing the world. You can change the world. You can change the world. He's a younger, a younger guy that I'm friends with. And we were talking, and I said to him, I heard somebody say this once, 
and I, and I think that it's appropriate to our conversation, I said, it's not that you can go change the world. How can one person, one particular person change the entire world? But what we can do, brothers and sisters, is we can change our world where we occupy space and time. The ones around us, the ones we work with, the ones we're related to, the ones that are family, the ones that are not, we can change our world. We are sent like Jesus into our own worlds. And so then as we are sent into our own world, we lead those who have been enslaved to sin and to death we lead them into the house of God where they become sons and daughters of God. And the beautiful thing is, is then that cycle continues. Those who have been brought outside, those who are slaves, are now sons. They are now liberated and they have been adopted into God's family. And then what happens is after they're adopted into God's family is then they go into their world with the message of Jesus Christ and bring those who have been enslaved to sin who are slaves to sin, into the saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And then those people become sons and daughters. And then those people go out. It's the only pyramid scheme that actually works. And it's the only pyramid scheme that's actually legit. Has anybody ever been tried to be sold on one of those things? I remember I, I, I tried Herbalife a couple years ago. It was the worst thing I've ever done. Made absolutely no money. And we've all had those friends, right, that are into these pyramid schemes that like post on Facebook. Hey, I've got this way for you to make a ton of money without any work at all. But brothers and sisters, this is the only pyramid scheme in air quotes that actually works. It's actually legit. As we bring people out of darkness into light, as we lead those who are enslaved to freedom through Jesus Christ. And so this is the task that the nativity teaches us, and it's grounded in the incarnation of Jesus. St. John Chrysostom, reflecting on, on this passage here, said, Had we not first been made sons, we could not have called him father. If grace has made us free instead of slaves, men instead of children, heirs and sons instead of aliens, is it not utter absurdity and stupidity to desert this grace and to turn away backwards? And so our response, brothers and sisters, to this grace is to embrace it. It's to embrace it. In Isaiah 61, we hear that reading, my soul rejoices, right? This is what's on the lips of Mary in the Magnificat. Because she realizes she's part of God's plan. Simeon and Anna in the Gospel reading, they see God's plan and they also rejoice in it. But they don't just rejoice in it, they also embrace it and they also proclaim it. Rejoice in it and they proclaim it. And so as we do that, as we are sent as Jesus was, to bring people from slavery into sonship and into being a daughter, into being adopted into God's kingdom, we do so like all of these biblical figures with joy because we are part of God's plan. So let us embrace it, brothers and sisters, publicly proclaim it, and let us do it. And let us do it. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was sent forth born of woman under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we all might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God, be all glory, together with his Father who is from everlasting and as all holy and good and life-giving spirit.
Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast for Zion's Stone United Church of Christ. We're located in beautiful Northampton, Pennsylvania, and we'd love for you to come worship with us. You can find us on the internet www.zionsstoneucc.com or you can find us on Facebook, Zion's Stone UCC. God bless. Thanks for listening.